Welcome to episode two of A Fresh Perspective with Victoria. That's me. Or welcome back if you listen to episode one. I really appreciate your support. I am loving the opportunity to do this. This week I'm joined by my longest time friend, Jessica. She and I talk about a little bit of everything, but we do talk about her journey as a mom. You know, the purpose of this podcast is for me to speak with people and get their perspective on things that I believe they're experts on or things that they're just super passionate about. And being a mom is that for Jessica. You know, it's not her sole identity, but she loves being a mom so much. And one thing I really value about Jessica and I always have is her willingness to give her opinion. And she can be very blunt and I have always loved that about her. You know, not everyone's always going to agree, but I think that that's totally fine. I the world would be a boring place if we all had the same opinion. And so she has, you know, insights that maybe other moms haven't thought about. I know that I for sure have never thought about because I am not a mom myself. This isn't a mom podcast. This isn't an advice podcast. This is just two friends talking about us, you know, a certain thing that really affects one of them. And so before I go ahead and get into the actual episode, one thing that her and I did not discuss, because uh, we do talk about she has a business that she runs, is how you can follow her business. So if you go on Instagram, look up Comfort and Chaos Shop, that's her business, you know, uh, She does custom cups, custom wine glasses. I think she even does t-shirts and everything like that still. You know, it is for more local orders, but uh, she's someone who will always try to make it work. So if you're interested in anything like that, definitely reach out to her. She does great work and I'm not just saying that because she's my friend. I'm also a paying customer and I've also referred multiple people to her that love what she's made for them. So... Without any further ado, here is this week's episode. Thanks so much for listening. So joining me tonight is my best friend, Jessica. Uh, We've been best friends since high school. Uh, We met when she was a freshman and I was a sophomore, and we just had an instant connection. And so we're going on, how many years of friendship is that? I don't know, like 15. 15 years. Something crazy. That's insane. Yeah. Uh, And so tonight we're really just going to do a lot of talking about her journey as a mom. Uh, And so we're just going to get straight into it. Yeah, let's do it. go ahead and just kind of talk about what your journey as a mom has looked like. Okay. So um, my husband and I, Nick, we got married in... 2014 um I was 22 and he was 24 and literally almost to the day one year into our first um our wedding anniversary we found out we were pregnant with Ainsley um it was a little bit of a shock however we kind of knew that it could have happened because we did stop I did stop birth control that April of that year so um we found out we were pregnant in October of that year so it took about six months of us not preventing to get pregnant. Um, when we did get pregnant, it was, you know, we were excited and just ready to do it. Um, I was 23. So when I had her, I had just turned 24. Her due date was June 10th and she came on June 10th and, um, my birthday is June 5th. So I turned 24 five days before she was born, which was freaking crazy. But on my birthday, I was like, so hoping she would come out because being that pregnant, any person who has been pregnant to 40 weeks, you know, you're ready. <laughs> so, but my pregnancy was, was really smooth sailing. Um, I really find that I was one of the lucky moms to not experience really any morning sickness. Um, I was a little bit nauseous up until like week 12 and I was really tired. So all my fitness regimen went out the door. Like I'd get home from work and it'd be straight to bed or I'd be napping all day or, Um, things like that. I do remember just being nauseous at night and then in the first trimester having major migraines because of the caffeine cut. Um, I literally felt like an addict, like my migraine, my migraines were horrible, but that's, that stopped when the doctor said I could start having 200 milligrams of caffeine a day. So yay for my two cups of coffee. Um, 
But then after that, everything was good. When I went into labor, like, everything was, like, normal. I only ever threw up when I was in labor, mm-hmm. which, like, I have friends who, like, are sick all the way up until their 20th week or all the way up to birth, and it's just so horrible of an experience for them because I just think pregnancy is just so rad. So, um, going in... I will say that, like, you from everyone I know that has been pregnant and had a baby, besides my sister, maybe, you're, like, the one that had the most easy pregnancy, I yeah. feel like. Like, you didn't really have, like, a lot of aversions or, no. like, uh, like side effects. Like negative cravings. Side, side effects. Like, yeah. a lot of women get, like, super swollen mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, like, your body just handled it, it really did. well. Um, I mean, I will say that I did have, like, meat aversions. I didn't want to eat much meat in the very beginning. Um, like, I didn't necessarily have, like had to have it or die cravings like mm-hmm. I really liked Olive Garden breadsticks a slurpee and a salad like that was like my main course for a really long time but um I do remember like Nick and I would meal prep a lot in the in the beginning and when uh we had we always would do ground bison with like a stir fry and I had eaten it for like three days before a certain it was like you know on Wednesday of the week and I went to go eat it on Wednesday at work and I I that was the only day during my pregnancy besides being in labor that I swear to god I was gonna puke like I starved myself until three o'clock that day when it could bring me something else to eat because I went to take one bite of that food and it was coming back up so I don't know why but to this day I have not eaten ground bison and easily just turned three in June so I don't think I ever will (laughs) So I can't imagine, like, what these moms go through when they really have hardcore aversions or sicknesses or stuff like that to, um, you know, how, how it changes their their food intake, I would say, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. But it's definitely, it can definitely be a lot worse, mm-hmm. you know. And I did get swollen. I mean, there's pictures of my ankles, but that's all normal, like, towards the end. Um, I gained 40 pounds. So I delivered at 190 pounds, which was obviously my heaviest that I've been and um I still hold on to 20 of those pounds like I mean naturally it's just you really have to put in work to get back to where you were and that's just a whole nother conversation to have about like mom bod and like (laughs) you know being happy in the skin you're in and carrying kids and carrying babies and working so hard for something that like you may not even really want you know definitely I mean not that I have that same journey, but definitely the older I get, the less I care what yeah. other people think about exactly what I'm wearing and what I look like. Essentially, like as long as it's you're more about me, like yep. I have this conversation a lot that I feel the most comfortable now than I ever have, even though yeah. I weigh more than right. I have. Well, you know, it's funny. Nick and I were literally just talking about this, and um, I don't know if it's age. You know, I'm 27 now, and. We've been married for five years. This October will be five years. I've been with him since I was 18, so mm-hmm. we're going on nine years of being together. And, I mean, and if anyone knows us, like, we've always been into fitness. We've always been into health. Like, overall, our lifestyle is healthy. Um, but with that being said, I still have 20 pounds to lose, and we were just ta- literally just talking about this the other day and how I feel more comfortable in a bathing suit today than I did when I was 23 and got pregnant. Yeah. At... Like, it's, like, mind-blowing to me. Like, mm-hmm. I feel more comfortable now knowing that life has thrown me all these curveballs or I've had my baby and, like, I surround myself with the people that I surround myself with to just make mm-hmm. me feel happy and comfortable and, like, wearing a bathing suit by the beach or at the pool and I'm not worried about it. Yeah. So it's it's crazy. I mean, you just get so self-conscious as as a young adult and, you know, just being aware of what you look like and how you feel Mm-hmm. is, like, more important than anything, 100%. especially, I mean, not especially because everyone has their rights and how they feel and how they look, but, you know, you go through these major changes as a pregnant, you know, being pregnant, and um, you really quite don't expect it, even if you see the photos or, like, you see the before and afters of moms who, like, bounce, bounce air quote, bounce back, yeah. you know, um, you really don't really expect it until you actually, like, experience it yourself. Yeah. Well, like, everybody's journey is so different. Yeah. Like, my sister lost weight when she was yes. pregnant. Yeah. You know, but she gave... She had to have an emergency C-section because her son was so big. She right. She could not push him yeah. out. Pregnancy was, is wild. So it was just like... But yet she lost the weight. Yeah. You know? she yep. lost, She weighed less after she had him than she did before she was pregnant. Yeah. Which was crazy. Yep. 
So did you always want to be a mom? Was that yeah, um, something you remember growing up? Like you wanted to have a family? Yeah, well, I mean, we grew up a little differently, my brother, my sister, and I. And um, I've always been like a mother figure, no matter where we've been or what, you know, whose house we were living in or even at home with, you know, my mom or my dad. It was just I was always the one in charge. So, um, I've always had like a feeling like I knew I wanted to be a mom since forever. I, I've been knowing how many kids I've wanted. I like know that I just have it in me to be a mom, which I think most women do. I think most women are like, we're born to want to be mothers. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Nick, when I got with Nick, he has all these hobbies. He likes to go snowboarding. He likes to ride dirt bikes and he likes to go do all these fun, adventurous things. And I just never had a hobby. And I just remember we were talking one night and it just kind of clicked like my hobby and my passion was to be a mom. Mm -hmm. And so when we got married and like I found Nick and I knew it was going to be him, I was like, we just got to get this done. Like we got to have kids young, like, I mean, relatively young. That's not not totally that young. I mean, we have friends that went to high school with that have 10, 12 year olds, you know? Um, but I just wanted to get at it. I just wanted to do it. I just knew that we were in, it it was like a why not type of a thing at Mm -hmm. that time. Um, So yeah, definitely always known. Because you and I, we had similar childhoods in that Mm -hmm. we didn't have your, what would be considered your typical childhood growing up. We didn't have a mom and dad at home, Mm -hmm. you know, that we were eating dinner with every night that was showing up for our sports and school and everything like that. You know, we kind of... We had, like, one parent that was kind of home-based, but then we had another parent that was kind of off doing their own thing. Right. And so, for me, that's always been in the back of my head as to, like, what kind of parent is my childhood going to make me be? Right. So, how do you think your childhood and your relationship with your parents has shaped you into the parent you've become? Um, I just have known that I want a lot more for my child than I than what I got as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard because people that don't know me or my family may think, like, oh, it's your mom. Like, why, you know, why don't you have the love and support for her that, you know, mm-hmm. you should? She's your mother. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, I, I I love her. I support her. I wish her, I hope that she, you know, does everything she wants in her life. But... It's hard because I'm not an addict, and I just know that the power of my love for my child mm-hmm. is incomparable to what I feel like the love was given to me as a child. Yeah. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. Um, again, like, I don't want to, like, disregard or, or discredit, you know, my parents or anything like that, but I do know that I want to give, and I've wanted to give, and I've given my daughter, like, something that I know that I didn't have from them, you know, and it's sad, you know, and I I feel like I maybe missed out on a little bit, but it's definitely shaped me to who I am today, and I I know that I probably wouldn't be able to give Ainsley the attention and the love that I have been able to give her without that type of experience. Yeah, I definitely feel like, in a way, it kind of prepares people who did have childhoods like that to... I don't want to say, like, I guess the best way of putting it would be to be, like, be more present in Mm -hmm. their child's life. Like, to have really make that, like, your number one priority and your number one goal. Like, you know, because I have a lot of friends who I think are great parents that have great relationships with their parents as well. So, I don't necessarily think it makes anyone, like, a better parent. More or less. No, definitely not. Yeah. But it just definitely, I think there's, like, that underlying, like, motivation, I guess, to be, like, I know what it felt like when my parents weren't really present for me, so I'm going to yes. make sure to show up and be present for yeah, my Yeah, or kid. make sure that, like, I wasn't wondering where my shoes were to go to school. Like, yeah. Or wondering, like, how I was going to be getting home or if I had clean underwear. Like, yeah. things like that. Like, I do remember, you know, that's traumatic, yeah. you know? And, and no child should have to go through that. Like, um, again, like, I was a child. I wasn't an adult. I didn't see what was happening, and it... Maybe it would be viewed differently if I saw it now, mm-hmm. but as far as my memories go, like, I 
remember more of the bad than any of the good. So, um, and that's probably trauma and that's probably just how my brain psychologically like remembers things or like moves on and, um, or heals maybe, I don't know. Um, but yeah, so it's definitely shaped me into the mother that I am because I've been playing mom for a long time for my siblings. Definitely. I'm a little bit different because I'm the younger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my sister was essentially my mom when right. mom wasn't around. Yeah, you were mom for yourself. Yeah, you know, you, and I was you mom are very, for my mom. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and you are very independent and... Yeah, so then kind of right where we are right now, yeah. we're in your home office. Yeah. It's full of cups and glitter and a whole bunch of stuff. I know, it's crazy, um, right? So you, once you gave birth to Ainsley, mm-hmm. you decided you weren't going to go back to work. No. You worked at Bank of America. I did. And then all of a sudden you told everybody, eh, Peace out. I know. <laughs> I'm just going to stay at home with my baby. And we were yes. like, oh, okay. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden you started this business and it was just so random, I guess. Yeah, totally random. it was like... Not me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like... Jess is not creative. Okay, me. I just pr- referred to myself in third party. I am not creative. I've never had a creative bone in my body. I can't draw. I can't do anything. I mean, okay, I can play the piano, but that's, like, about it. <laughs> so um, I was an assistant manager for Bank of America for one of the branches out in El Cajon, and I love my job. I worked for the bank for five years, started right when I was 18, and again, like, I'm a, I am a career woman. I have my mind set to something, and it's going to happen. Um, so when we got pregnant... There was no way in hell that I was not going to go back to work. Like, I had to go back to work. I had daycare lined up. Um, We knew it was going to have to happen. But we didn't think about daycare costs or, like, how much it was going to really be to have a child. Um, So when I went out for maternity leave, again, all intentions, I was talking to my manager. I'm going to return on this date. I'm going to take a full six months, which meant that I was going to take two months of unpaid leave. But my job was still secure. So... Ainsley was born in June, so I was due back to go to work in December. I think it was, like, September rolled around, and one of my good friends from childhood, she had started a, a sign painting business, mm-hmm. and she was asking for help at her at her house for, like, building boards and whatever, and she had posted on Facebook, and I was like, please let me help you. I'm so bored at home with this newborn, like, all she does is nurse and nap, and I just want to just do something and make a little money, right? So... I I started doing that with her, and then she mentioned that she was going to be expanding and that if I wanted to stay home with Ainsley, like, this could be a good opportunity to do so. So, of course, I come home to Nick, and we talk about it, and we look at the numbers, and, you know, average daycare costs for a newborn under two years old is about $225 a week. So, let's do some quick math here. (laughs) 225. 225 times four. Okay, $900 a month, and that's, like, on the lower end for an in-home daycare. So Nick was like, okay, well, if you could, if you can promise that you can make what you make now at the bank minus daycare costs, then let's do it. Mm -hmm. So I said, all right, let's do it. Let's try. I can always go back to the bank. I left on great terms. I had, I was really great in my role. I just got along with everybody there, and they always told me, like, you know, my market leader joked with me, like, when I left out on maternity maternity leave, he goes, you're not going back. You're not coming back. And I said, no, I am. Like, just watch me. I'm going to be back. And he's like, no, you're going to see your baby and you're going to, you're not going to come back. And I thought he was crazy, but I didn't. So, um, we've made it work. And three years later, so that started, I said, I had my very first sign party in October of 2016 and that generated revenue for me. And then I got the materials to do what I, you know, needed to do to make the stencils. So then I started making cups you know, put decals on cups and put some glitter on it and call it a day and, and people love those things. So that kept me busy for a very long time. Yeah. So you started out working with your friend. Yes. And then like helping her host parties and everything like that. Yeah. Right before she got, like before we started. Yeah. And then you, but you expanded on your own because you opened your own Etsy shop. Yes. So, um, I basically was an independent contractor with Sip wine and sign. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was totally separate. And then I did start, I opened my Etsy shop um, the same month mm-hmm. because I was selling cups and, well, I just started out with cups and wine glasses and things like that. And then eventually um, started doing shirts and then mm-hmm. full on epoxy glitter tumblers. So now I'm like approaching 900 sales on Etsy, which is wild because like, I was like, oh my gosh, yay, 10 sales. <laughs> like, you know, 
<laughs> yeah. And then, so what was it like being your own boss and kind of starting your own company and... Being uh, a new mom at the same time? Yeah. It was wild. Juggling it all. Yeah. Um, it was crazy because there were so many transitions going on. Um, me not going to a nine-to-five job, still maintaining a relationship with my husband physically and mentally, which is still to this day hard because being a stay-at-home mom isn't the easiest job in the world, you know? Yeah. Being my own boss was, you know, getting Ainsley to sleep and Nick going to sleep and then me being in my office from 8 to 12 at night, getting four hours of sleep and then just to just do it again. Um, it was really hard to learn a balance of telling people no because I needed and wanted the money. Um, I guess I, it took a hard, it took a long time for me to really value my time over anything. Um, and again, still to this day, it's hard for me to tell people no. And mm-hmm. I'm, we're going on three years of me running an Etsy shop and me, you know, running local orders and things like that. And, um, it is rewarding though, because then I can just say no, I can stop it. I can be on vacation if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. But even still, it doesn't end. Um, I respond to messages or, you know, somebody's like, crap, I need something quick for a birthday. And I'm like, all right, I got you, girl. Like, (laughs) it just, you know, it just, and you know me, like, I can't tell people no. And I think that I can do it all. Yeah. So, and that's a downfall for me. Yeah. And then what advice would you have for someone who wanted or was thinking about starting their own business, something like this? So I definitely would say to budget and because making cups, like you buy cups in bulk. So here I am buying 24 cups at a time for one style of cup and I offer four different styles of cups Mm -hmm. and it would just get charged on the credit card because it was a business expense and I could write it off at the end of the year, which was cool. But then I still had to pay sales tax. I still had to, um, pay my bills. Mm -hmm. So then the expenses didn't end up getting paid by cash, which they should have been. So if you're going to start into any type of self-business, of course there's expenses involved in starting a business. Of course you're going to probably be out of pocket and in the negative for a little bit, but just be mindful. I mean, profits of cup isn't really that big. Mm-hmm. And um, just don't, I, I would say just like don't let it um, consume you financially. Yeah. Because um, the thing is, is that I would generate enough inflow of cash to pay my bills. So my bills have always been paid. I've never been late on a payment. My rent has always been paid. Car payments have always been paid. You know, all our needs have always been met, but my expenses never got paid. Yeah. And then, so why are you deciding to go back to work now? Well, Sip, Wine, and Sign was sold and it was kind of fizzling out for me. Um, so she sold it? She did sell it. Yeah. Um, she ended up selling it to another licensee who's up in Temecula And for me, again, like, I just felt like it was fizzling out. I was, at that point, trying to run two businesses, Sip Wine and Sign and my cups, because I started getting super busy with my cups. I mean, turnaround time is four to six weeks for one tumbler, you know. So I knew that that was kind of ending soon, and it did generate a good amount of income for me. Like, I, if I didn't, if I weren't, if I wasn't doing the paint parties, I wasn't making enough money. Um, Although I did start working at my friend's in-home daycare, the one that Ainsley would have gone to Mm -hmm. um, as an infant. Uh, we started working there last April, part-time, maybe like anywhere from 9 to 15 hours a week. I'd help mm-hmm. her out, which was fun because it got her, it got Ainsley acclimated with friends and like socializing and um, doing school stuff and yeah. just preschool activities and things like that. And it was easier, back to stay-at-home mom things, it was easier for me to take care of 12 children rather than being at home with one 18-month-old. So I know it sounds crazy. But it was a lot easier, and I was helping my friend, and I was getting some cash. Do you think that's because there were other kids to, like, kind of keep her busy and, like... Definitely. For her to interact with, so you didn't have to be the one, like, keeping her entertained yep. from the moment, you know, yep. Nick leaves until he gets home kind exactly. of thing? Um, there was always something to do. You know, you're in a preschool daycare setting, so there's routine, there's snack time, there's play time, there's story time. Like, mm-hmm. everything is cut and dry and I don't know that it's like that for all daycares but I do know that my friends is like that um because I mean I've worked there until Friday (laughs) so um so going back to work I just knew that my I'm just worth more Mm -hmm. now um I've lost that sight a little bit and I am just ready I'm ready and I know Ainsley's ready to be 
at the daycare. She asks to go to school. Mm-hmm. She'll say, Mommy, can we go to Drea's today? Can we go to school today? And I'm like, no, like, we're not, you know? Yeah. And then when we are home and we're not there, you know, I'm trying to bang out cups and she's just bored, yeah. you know? And I feel bad, but, like, I'm trying to make money. Yeah. I mean, come on, girlfriend, I can't buy you Barbies <laughs> if I don't have money, you know? Um. So, yeah, that's... And then... You know, I, I start talking to my old bank people, my old bank coworkers, old bank managers, and I'm asking, like, you know, what my position, what people were, were making, and I started crunching numbers, and I p- printed out a whole budget sheet, and I wrote down all of our expenses and bills, and I estimated how much I could be making and the minimum of what I needed to make to make it worth it, to make me in the green. Yeah. Um, I definitely would not have gone back or be going back. Um if I wasn't going to be in the green, at least yeah, a couple hundred dollars. Right. Yeah. Financially. Like I, right. Like, why would I go back to work and send her to daycare and pay $780 a month in daycare yeah. to just not even be able to afford it? Exactly. Um, so, yeah, and it all worked out. Yeah. So, what would you say is, like, one myth about being a stay-at-home mom that you would want to debunk, essentially? Um... I mean, you, oh, I'm sure people see all these, like, articles, like, roaming around about how you got this mom, you're not alone, it's not easy, your kid's crazy, toddlers are psycho and bipolar, <laughs> and drink that glass of wine. Like, literally, that's just how it is. Um, I think that a lot of people discredit stay-at-home moms because they get to be at home. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, granted, there are days where you sit around and you do jack nothing right Mm -hmm. but that's also because your toddler or your baby or your infant or your children are not allowing you to do anything Mm -hmm. um kids are constantly developing their brains are constantly changing their emotions are constantly learning to be able to handle adult situations so I think that a lot of people try and put on adult emotions onto these little babies Mm -hmm. and stay-at-home moms don't get it until you're there you know yeah and people who aren't stay-at-home moms also don't don't quite understand. And now, like, for me, looking back, like, there's there's not a moment that I would have taken back. I don't think that I would have ever been able to take her, leave her at daycare, and that I was made to be a stay-at-home mom for this amount of time. Mm-hmm. But now I will never be a stay-at-home mom. Like, yeah. I'm going back to work, <laughs> and I am going to stay back at work. Even if we have another child, we're going to plan it to where we can afford daycare. Yeah. And um, it's just... I had my experience with it, and it's just, I'm, I'm good, you know? Yeah. Because people, what, what you kind of have to, like, put into perspective is raising a child on its own is a job. Um, and even working parents, they go to work 9 to 5, they come home, and they're still raising their child until they go to sleep. Most of the time, that child isn't sleeping all night, so mom or dad or mom or dad are helping each other get this kid back to sleep, or they're just taking over their bed, mm-hmm. you know, then you, like, you know, there's so many factors involved, but... When you're a stay-at-home mom, like, you don't get to go disconnect for that 10 hours that you're gone. You Mm -hmm. don't get to know that your kid and child is safe and taken care of because you're the one doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't get that adult interaction for that 10 hours that you're gone. You Mm -hmm. don't get to know that your kid and child is safe and taken care of because you're the one doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't get that adult interaction. Yeah. Um, and then you still have to maintain household jobs. Like it's expected of a stay at home mom to do the dishes, to cook and clean, to clean up the bathrooms, like Mm -hmm. do the laundry and everything like that. But like, you're still cooking your kid breakfast. Like you, you cook breakfast, you clean up breakfast, then you cook lunch, then you clean up lunch then you cook snack, you clean up snack. Like there's literally no downtime for a stay at home mom Yeah, at all. And I think people don't realize that. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. I think that a lot of people kind of just look at it as like, oh, you get to stay home all day. Yeah. And you, you know, probably watch do whatever TV you want. and like yeah. do this and do that. And it's like, well, yes, but I'm also taking care of a toddler who has an attention span yeah. of like 30 seconds. Right. And bipolar. And they're crying <laughs> over one thing just to really want one thing. Or they're not, you know, they don't know how to communicate or... They're going through a sleep regression and they can't sleep and like, yeah. and honestly, also children are much more worse behaved around their mothers than they are with anybody else. So 
that's also hard. Like, yeah. and I see that every day at the daycare. These children are so well behaved for us. But then you hear these horror stories at home and I'm like, oh my God, your child doesn't act like that here. Yeah. And I see it with my own daughter. Like Ainsley is an angel at daycare, even with me around, but mm-hmm. there's other helpers. Mm-hmm. So I try and like get her to be helpful with them. And again, like moms think that their kids are just like being such brats and stuff, but it's really just because we're the emotional stability. Like they hold it all in and then they see us and then they're like, "Why I want this, I want that, you yeah. know? So... It's just hard. Being a mom's hard. So kind of on the same topic, a lot of people used to believe that being a working mom was too challenging Mm -hmm. to the point that it would be too overwhelming and the mom should just stay home and raise the children and be the homemaker. And I mean, even for our generation, I would say probably 90% of my friends growing up, Mm -hmm. dad went to work, mom was at home, Mm -hmm. mom was doing drop-offs and pickups at school. So why do you think I guess the first part of the question is, do you think that that view has kind of changed? Yeah, um, I think it's changed because the standard of living is more expensive, Mm -hmm. and women can equally be making just as much money as the man, Mm -hmm. and I think that household bills should be split, so even if... So, here's the thing with, I think, staying at home. Not every woman is designed to be a stay-at-home mother. Mm -hmm. Um, It has a lot of mental... You know, it takes a lot of mental strength. It takes a lot of physical strength. Some mothers are made to be working mothers, which is totally okay. And I'm both. Like, Mm -hmm. I am mentally ready to go back to work. Otherwise, I'm going to be freaking pulling my hair out. Like, at this point in her stage of life. But I'm only able to because I set myself up earlier with a career that can pay for it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's being in in a generation or... if we just look at it as a married couple and they have a child and the mom was working and they she stayed home, it should be because it's going to save them money. Mm-hmm. There should be no other reason why that mother should stay home unless it's going to save them money or if the income of the father can really be supplementing daycare mm-hmm. costs. You know, whatever yeah. it is that might have come into factor for that. Yeah. I don't think that necessarily, like, the mothers... Like, working moms put in their own tiring things you go back to work when your kid's three months old you're pumping at work you're dealing with trying to pump at work when in cal like in most states employers are supposed to let allow you to go pump for as long as you need but you know as a you're working mom your work ethic is probably higher than anything and you're not just gonna walk away for 20 minutes to pump when you should be working well, you know it's also at the same time it's different but same concept people don't even take their 15 minute breaks right and it's not encouraged or exactly it's not enforced it's the only time I've ever had to do it is if I've had to physically clock out for a break yes and that's the only time and as a pumping mom like you should be pumping like once every two hours yeah you know so um I I think that like again if if you can do it but even then I feel like when your kids in school why aren't you working <laughs> you know yeah. least, even if it's a part unless like again unless you got some money making husband you know <laughs> that like you can afford everything that you want like good for you I applaud that but otherwise like why not work yeah or unless like it just does not make sense for right you. like if financially you're, if you're gonna only go back to work to be able to afford daycare and that's it there's right. no there's no point you're essentially well, in the same position yes I feel like you know some moms do though need to go back if as long as they're not in the red even if they are gonna just break even mm-hmm. some moms mentally and like literally need it like psychologically yeah. need that space away um so that's a determining factor too so like if, you know, your family is breaking even with daycare costs with the mother working, but the mother's going to be worse off being a stay-at-home mom mentally, then she needs to go to work. Yeah. You know, I for agree. her mental health. Yeah. The kid's going to be way better off being at daycare rather than being at home with a, a mother who's not mentally stable to be at home with the child. Yeah. No, I for sure agree. Yeah. Uh, so, I feel <clears throat> like these days... With social media, mm-hmm. it's so easy for everyone to share their opinion on everything. Yeah. Some people might call it advice. Some people might just think people are getting involved or judgy. sharing their opinion mm-hmm. or being judgy when they have no right to be, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, as someone who isn't a mom, 
I kind of feel like it's created this world where moms can easily be shamed. Okay. And I think so people use it to, they don't want to be shamed, they don't want to be judged, and so they they have used it to create this environment or this world through social media where, like, we're seeing only the good through their lens, uh-huh. and we're seeing, oh... Everything's perfect. Yeah, the days when the mom loves being a stay-at-home mom, right. and it's great. Her and, makeup's done, her hair is done, yeah, the kids, they're in matching outfits. Yeah, like, yeah, and the kid is behaving well all day and all this stuff, but And so, that's only what's portrayed. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think that reality is so much messier, and it's because I have friends, I feel like, like you and, like, Leah mm-hmm. and, like, my friend Lisa, right. who are very open about, like... The bad days. The bad days and just, honestly, how shitty it can be sometimes. Yeah. So how do you try and show the real side of being a mom to people who may not be around on the tougher, messy days? Yeah, I mean, I I try and be so open and transparent. Like, that's just my personality to begin with. Like, I'm honest, I'm blunt, I'm transparent. Some people don't like it, I don't really care. Um, I say what I feel like, Mm -hmm. and honestly, for me, like sharing the tough times brings solitude to all the moms who are not fully, um, what's the word? They're not fully like brave Mm -hmm. or they don't have the courage to share their bad moments because Mm -hmm. social media is so flooded with the perfect moments. Yeah. So I do try and keep that transparent. Um, I do try and keep, you know, post about the bad times, post about the hard times, post about the good times too. Um, and I do, I do get feedback from people and that they, you know, they love the, the, the true, the truth and what I bring to the, my social media. And I mean, I don't have like a ton of followers, like about 1200, but it still provides a a safe place for a mom to go read. Mm -hmm. Um, and into, like, the judgy part, like, the judgy, you know, aspect of social media, I feel like it's, it makes me so sad to feel or to even think that any comments or concerns from another mom, from a mom to another mom, is taken as judgment. Mm-hmm. Like, that sucks. Yeah. Because, like, for what I've seen and read and, like, just been in the mom groups that I'm in on Facebook or who I follow on social media, like, every piece of advice or opinion or comment that has been passed between mothers is never coming off as judgment. Mm-hmm. But there's just some moms who don't have the mental capacity to understand that. Yeah. Or they're just constantly thinking that they're being judged because they think they're doing something wrong or... Mm-hmm that their kid is just super misbehaved, so they must be doing something wrong or whatever. But, like, for me, whenever, like, there are certain things that I see on social media that I can't not say something because of the safety of the child. Yeah. So I will. And I just pray that these people don't take it like I'm judging them because I'm not. Yeah. And it's just knowledge is power, and I feel like people misinterpret some things because they don't know. Yeah. You know, or or people get defensive because, oh, I'm a mom. I knew that, Mm -hmm. you know? When clearly, no, you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not a bad thing, but because you're constantly learning every single freaking day. Every moment of the day, you're learning about your child. They're doing new things. You're learning how to be a mom. You're trying to always do the right thing. Because I feel like there are plenty of women that have that motherly instinct and, like, intuition and everything like yeah. that. But it's not like you have this, you have your baby and all of a sudden it's you there. know all the answers yeah. and you know what to do and you know like this cry means this, like that stuff develops over time. And every baby is different and every parent and baby relationship is different and mm-hmm. you're literally learning a new way of life together as a mother and a child, as a father and a child, as a married couple and a new child. Um, so I just try and treat social media like a platform to be honest and to be open and to be helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, again, like, there's days where I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, yeah. what did I do wrong today? Because my kid is a terror. Like, yeah. did I give her, I don't know, red dye? <laughs> Tried that. Did I let her play on her iPad too long? Not that. Like, just yeah. some days suck. Yeah. You know, and sharing that on social media, I hope it allows the people who are quiet or soft-spoken or, like, not so sure of what they're doing to just know that it's yeah it's normal you're normal mama you got this kids are crazy yeah and I think it's it's important to make that distinction of like 
I'm just another mom that's trying to tell you from either my experience or someone I know's experience that this is what might be going on with your child. Right. It's not a moment of... Oh my gosh, I can't believe you're doing this, you know, and I think that it's important to make that distinction because especially for new moms that are already so overwhelmed by having to take care of a new baby, a new Mm -hmm. human, everything, you know, it's just like to have certain comments or people, you know, be responding on social media, I think can just make it even harder and even worse. And so I think it's just important for I mean, I'm fully for women supporting women, you know, across the board, but it's like, especially moms supporting moms, like, you know, what you do with Ainsley may not work for someone else and their daughter, you know? And so it's just sharing your experiences to... Might shed a light differently for people that may have been struggling with a certain thing that they're going through or whatever it might be. And I feel like, I feel like even, even if a mom is trying to be helpful towards another mom, it's about... perception right Mm -hmm. it's about how this other mom is going to perceive something so I think that that's why I feel confident in like helping or sharing something with another mom because I feel like I have a way with words to like make it known hey I'm not judging you Mm -hmm. this is this is what worked for me this isn't what worked for me I work in this daycare I see this all the time Mm -hmm. this might help try this or research that and make your decision or like you know, just giving the resources to other moms to maybe look in a place that they hadn't yet. Yeah. Um, so that's mostly, like, why I, I will start. I mean, obviously there's certain things that I don't talk about, but, like, car seat safety or, like, food, like, yeah. things like that that I know, like, and that I've seen. I just, you know, try and encourage people yeah. to, like, look into something else or try something new. Yeah, and I think it, uh, it not necessarily just related to, like, mom stuff, but just about... Anything, anything on yeah. general when you're commenting on Facebook or Instagram or whatever it can be really hard to interpret the other person's tone especially if you don't know them if you've never or their had intention a, if you've never right. had a casual conversation with them or if the topic's never been brought up before face to face it's really hard to interpret it and you know and then so we're all just assuming just, everything exactly yeah and so it's just a constant reminder that I have to make when people comment stuff is like yeah. wh- how I'm interpreting it is probably 99% not how they meant it to exactly. come off. Yep. And so I think that that's super, super important for everyone across yeah. the board. Okay. So the last thing I want to get into is about mm-hmm. a lovely show called The Handmaid's Tale. Do oh, you watch yeah, it? I do. I love that show. Uh, it freaks me the freak out. So I kind of want to talk about it. Okay. So first as a woman mm-hmm. and then as a mom, mm-hmm. how does this show make you feel? It makes me cringe. It literally, I think the word that comes to my head is cringe. It's devastating. It's heartbreaking. Like my soul is crushed in moments of the show. Um, Wait, before you get into this, do yeah. you like June? Because I cannot stand her. I think um, she is the worst. I think she's a little, um, what's the word? Like, she jumps too quick. Like, she... Like, too reactive. Yes. She's very reactive. Yes. Um, very, yeah, impulsive. I think that she, she reacts too quickly to certain things, but, I mean, it's part of the show. Like, that's why, like, the show gets pretty cray-cray is because she is just so impulsive and, like, she doesn't... But, as a mom... I would be doing some fucking crazy things to try and get my kid back, too. Yeah. Like, and then clearly throughout the show, like, you know, she gets away with certain things that every other handmaid would not. Yeah. So it's just part of her character, and it's part of carrying on the show. Yeah. And even just, like, I mean, I don't want to, like, say too much to people who maybe haven't seen it or are not caught up yet, but just the pure idea of being able to hear your daughter your daughter's voice, mm-hmm. like, literally, you will do anything. Yeah. You know? So I get it. I mean, hopefully I don't ever have to get that, but. <laughs> uh, so do you think a place like Gilead is realistic? Um, no, I don't think so, because I think us as women would stand, like, today's women are just crazy, and I don't think that it would be, it would even get to that point, especially, I mean, these women are getting raped to carry somebody else's baby. Weird. Any type of structure was wanting to be, in, you know, incorporated into this country. I think that, like, there'd be 
very many more measures to be taken before it got to that level. Yeah. You know? So, I don't know. I don't think that it would happen. I think that it's scary to think about. But I think that us as a civilization has come too far to retract that much. Yeah. I agree. I mean, it's based off of a book that was written a long time ago. Right. You know? Yeah. So, we... If it was written today, it would be handled a lot differently. Yes. I think. I don't Mm -hmm. think it would even be going... going along as long as it has, I guess. Yeah. But it's it's kind of like a mirror, I guess. Maybe not necessarily a mirror is not the best way of putting it, but it has some coincidences and some things in common with I've, what's going on in today's world. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of talk about, but about like reproductive yeah. rights and reproductive justice and all of that stuff. So how do, I guess kind of on what you just said about how you think women are going to be able to, like, just stand up and keep fighting for it. Like, do you think that that's going to be kind of what makes everything kind of die down in regards to that topic, or... In terms of, like, reproductive stuff? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I am not political, and I don't... I don't affiliate with either side, and I think that, like, a woman's body is a woman's body... You know, and I, I, I think that, like, at the end of the day, you can't force a woman to do anything with her body. Yeah. I don't care who's telling me what to do. <laughs> I, I'm not doing it if I don't want to do it, or I am doing it if I want to do it. Yeah. I think it would be really, really hard and a real tough one-off to, like, take all those rights away. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, I don't think that it's anything that's going to happen in our lifetimes. No. The thing I think that angers me the most about Handmaid's Tale, though, is the fact that you have these women like Serena mm-hmm. and you have the aunts like Aunt Lydia mm-hmm. who like just do not give a crap about these handmaids. I, I mean, and, as a woman. Yeah. They I know. like They like show emotion, but then they are so opposite. It's almost like they're brainwashed. Yeah. You it know? really is. And it's just. I think that's what bothers me the most is you have all these women that are just letting these men do mm-hmm. whatever they want. Which is why I don't think that it would ever happen. Yeah. Like, I couldn't sit here and, and watch my neighbor or watch my friends go through yeah. that without, like, doing something. Yeah. You know? Like, I mean, I don't know what I would do, but I just don't think that I could just sit around and let it happen. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it did seem like you know, in Handmaids, everything just kind of happened. Like, yeah. it just happened right away, which it would not be like that yeah. in real life. I want to see more of, like, leading up to yes. what, like, how Gilead got established. Yeah, like, they must have like, been in the works for a long time before they took off, they cut off freaking women's debit cards. Yeah, because it's like, all of a sudden, it was just, you saw June, like, all the women were getting fired, losing yep. their jobs, they couldn't access money, all this stuff, but it's like, but what was happening before that? Yeah. Did it just like all the, happen the overnight? behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Definitely. Well, I want to end kind of on a interesting note because we that got kind of deep. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, but so I want to ask you on the fly if you could have dinner with any three people. Oh. Dead or alive. Okay. Who would you invite for dinner? Oh, God. Um... I'd have to say, like, Usher. Duh. Like, he's my freaking man. I I mean, I don't know that, like, it would be really fun to talk to him, but, like, he could just, like, have a concert. Like, that would be cool. And then it would be cool to talk to, I think, I don't know, Rachel McAdams, because she's just so cute and sweet, and, like, I feel like her conversation would be so in-depth. Like, she'd just be so, like, oh, her little dimples, like, are so cute. Um, uh Um... I'm, like, so, like, not intuitive like this. Luke Bryan? Those are the three most random I know. People. I don't know. I, like, I don't care to have, like, deep conversations with people I don't know. So, you know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, I'm not, like, a, like, a, I'm not, like, an Obama girl. Like, I don't want to, like, talk to her. I mean, I don't know. Like, who would you talk to? I don't know. Right? I, On I, the fly. I, Let's go. <laughs> um... I would love to have Natalie Portman. Okay. A, because I'm a huge fan of her, and I think that she is really, really intelligent. Yeah. Uh, I would also, I'm trying to think of, like, who my favorite kind of celebrities would yeah. be. Um, I'm trying to think, too, because, like, 
I mean, we all have our, like, our celebrity crushes and stuff, but it's mostly because of the films that they're in or Quentin Tarantino. Let's talk about that. That would oh. be a fun conversation to have with him. Yeah, he's did you watch weirdo. his latest movie? I did. Oh, my God. It was so good. There was multiple times where I was, like, sitting next to Nick, and I'm like, what the fuck am I watching? Yeah. And then, like, I'd get to the end, and I'm like, wow, let me, like, research this. And, like, we were just talking about this last night. Like, a movie to leave you like that, like, to leave yeah. you with wanting to research it yeah. is a good movie. Well, because before I saw it, I read a bunch of articles and, like, interviews of him, like, talking about it or whatever, because he originally was writing it as a novel. Okay. It wasn't going to be a movie. Yeah. And then he was like, you know, I actually, I want to make this a movie. And mm-hmm. he's referred to it as his love letter to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, In 1969. Yeah. yeah. And so it's just like, I think the whole time of the movie, because it's around, you know, the Manson family is involved or right. whatever, you're expecting certain things to happen. And so the whole movie, if you know that story, you're like waiting and waiting. And Which then, we didn't know anything of oh. that going in because Nick had watched a review and it was like, okay, there's a, a, a spinoff at the end, like, you need to go see it now before it spills if you don't want to know. Yeah. So we went in it, like, not even knowing that there was just going to be this whole Sharon Tate thing, and I'm yeah. like, the fuck is that? Because I love murder shit. Like, yeah. I love murder, like, murder podcast and true crime and stuff like that. So, like, that got me real interested. So I'd like to go, like, watch it again, like, like knowing. Yeah, mm-hmm. knowing kind of, like, why, like, how they're, like, interacting mm-hmm. with the... Suit like these crazy like killers yeah. and everything like that because you're just it's a it's obviously fictional it's not real yeah. but it's just like the whole time you're just waiting and waiting and exactly then if you know what happens and you're waiting and then you're like whoa I was and then it happens weird yeah yeah, yeah. you're just like okay mm-hmm. and it's just kind of one of those things where it's like I think he is such a brilliant writer yeah and like. I will say, out of all of his movies I've ever watched, it was, like, the least gory. Like, yeah, oh, he, definitely. It was, like, about ten minutes of, like, what the hell am Pretty I gore. watching? Yeah. But besides that, it was, like, relatively calm, and I was, like, yeah, not was. expecting it. And it had good humor, and, like, you know, Robin Williams would be another one to talk to. That would be, yeah. yeah. That Keith would be Ledger. awesome. See, He's now you're cute. coming up with ideas. I you know. Some time. See? I can't just do it <laughs> off the bat. I gotta think about who I really care about around here. Uh, yeah. I don't know who else I would ask besides Natalie Portman. <laughs> yeah. I know. It'll, I mean, you always, like, the thing is, that, like, with these celebrities, like, we don't know them. Yeah. Oh, it'd be fun to sit with the Kardashians. <laughs> no, it would not. It'd be so fun, because they're just fucking stupid. Like, you bought Khloe Kardashian a shot in Pacific Beach before I did. you were even 21 years yep, old. on my 20th birthday. That was fun. That was wild. I'd like to sit with her. She's cool. I would say out of everybody, I'd want to talk to her because I feel like she is the most real, I guess. Yeah. Because she's had, like, the most real stuff happen yeah. to her. I love Courtney too, because her and I kind of, like, mom the thing. I think, like, we, like, have the same thoughts on momming. Yeah. But, yeah. Kardashians. <laughs> That'd be wild. Well, that's all for this evening. That's all for this podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks for joining me and talking about everything. We'll have to do it again. Heck yeah. All right.